0: It's time to play like a jet with your host Scott Mason play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up floats a bomb up the right seam looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. and picked up Mosley. He'll take it in. It's a six and a touchdown. Fell into the middle of that line. And it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. Passed thrown. There was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the QA. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you
1: from the TOJ Digital Studios. Courtesy of The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for real fans. It's a great mix of national voices that you already know, like Jay Glazer, Mike Sandow, Mike Lombardi, the late, great Don Banks, or for The Athletic, too, and awesome local writers. In fact, one of my buddies, Harif Hassan, covers the Vikings, and I was just reading an awesome article that he wrote about this critical offseason for the Vikings. So if you're somebody that likes coverage of your own team, great. Plenty of that, but if you're somebody that likes coverage of other teams like I do, you can get tons of great writers that cover teams besides your own, and as I said, great national writers too. And here's the best part, not only do you get first-rate reporting, but you get all kinds of great analysis, advanced analytics, in-depth player profiles, and more, and it's completely ad-free. No clickbait, just great content. Pro sports, college sports, The Athletic has it all. So if you're not subscribing yet, you're really missing out. Want to get in on the action? I got a great deal for you. Just for being a Play Like a Jet listener, you can go to theathletic.com slash overtime, all lowercase letters, and you'll get yourself 40% off a year subscription. 40%, that's a lot. Go to theathletic.com slash overtime, all lowercase letters, and get all of this fantastic sports coverage in the Athletic for forty percent off today. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And this is the off-season roundtable. We're getting a whole bunch of voices on here, a wide array of opinions, diverse subsection of Jets fans, and of course members of the media who are going to give their opinions on what happened with the Jets in twenty nineteen and what they think the Jets should do going forward in twenty twenty. And today on the Roundtable is a first. You know that there have been plenty of people from a whole variety of different genres that have come on here. We've had media members on here, former players, current players. But we've never had a successful musician, somebody who is well-known in the music community. And I'm really glad that finally we've got one on the show. Although I have to question his own sanity for somehow becoming a Jets fan in the first place. He's a great rapper, and in (laughs) fact... You can check out his latest woozy right now, and I'll let you talk about that as well. On cue, what's going on, OC? How you doing, brother? What's up, man? I'm glad to have you on the show. i got to ask you this, though, right off the bat. How did you become a Jets fan?
2: So, uh, clearly we were talking a little bit before this. My godfather was a Jets fan, and my dad was a Giants fan and a Red Sox fan, and I always just seemed to go against my dad. But the real straw that broke the camel's back was I was on a flight back home and none other than Joe Namath was on my flight when I was 11 years old. And I got his autograph and from there I was doomed. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you got sucked in at an early age. That's usually what happens. There are some habits that you form when you're a young child that you just can't get rid of. And one of them for us, I guess, is the New York Jets, because I've told the story before, but it was my father who used to take me to games from the time that I was a kid, and you know, we still go to games together even now. So it's just something that is ingrained in us now, and we can't shake it no matter what, no matter how bad things get. And things have been not so great lately. Lately OC I gotta say Let's talk about the 2019 Season because yes they were 7 And 9 but depending on how you Look at it it may be around What you expected or maybe not Quite what you expected based on how that 7 and 9 came about what were Your thoughts on the season overall and Adam Gase's first year as head coach of the Jets
2: Well I guess you know There's two ways to look at it You could say that they finished 6 and 2 And I know a lot of people You know myself included, we're probably projecting an 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven season. And if you remove the mono, we'd probably be right there. I don't think anybody is really disagreeing. I think we would have probably beat Cleveland. I think we would have probably beat uh, Philly if Sam was healthy. But we also didn't know going into this year how bad the NFC East was going to be. So you look at it from that angle, uh, I don't think any person with a brain will be happy with the offense this year but uh you know it it was it was all right it's much to be desired um my frustrations lie with uh our head coach uh the o-line and um you know i I, I do have to say greg williams did an amazing job this year with what he was up against um that's that's kind of how i look at it i guess
1: so you think that the success was more due to Greg Williams than to Adam Gase?
2: For sure. And definitely a, most of the wins in that six and two, um, I don't have the the scores in front of me, but you know, just like the, the last game of the season, the bills game, how many points did we score? 16 mm-hmm. was it? Mm-hmm. You know, like, <clears throat> I mean, and it was, it was backups uh, playing for Buffalo. So, Yeah, I mean, Greg Williams did a great job, but our offense did not. That's for damn sure.
1: Well, let's talk about the key piece on the offense, and that, of course, is Sam Darnold. He was in his second year this year, and he made some progress. I think we can all agree on that, but just how much progress is the question how close to your expectations did Sam Tarnold come this year? Was he what you expected in his second season? Were you thinking that you were going to get more out of it? What did you think of his first year with Adam Gase? And what do you think needs to happen for him to take another step forward in 2020?
2: You know what? I think he definitely took steps forward. You know, uh, the stat sheet might not say he did. Um, I know he jumped up in his QBR, I believe. Um And in a majority of the, you know, the main quarterback stats, he did jump up, but to say that he made the jump that I thought he was going to make, absolutely not. But I don't know if that's on him. Um, I do think as much as I cannot stand Adam Gase, he is the only, you know, starting quarterback from his class that had to go through a whole nother coaching staff again. Uh, he had to learn a whole nother offense, and just to reiterate, you know the O line was terrible this year. It was what uh, Michael Mania did that did that ranking last week, thirty uh, first in the league, more or less. And and that's gonna, you know, stifle progress from a twenty two year old quarterback. No matter how you look at it, um, especially if you have a pair of eyes and you're watching these Jets games, with you know Jets put out the top ten plays and. Every single play that Sam's making, there's there's a defender literally right in his face. Um, every single play, except that random loop Falk to the Le'Veon Bell play that they highlighted. But um, I, th- I think the O-line really stopped a lot of it. Uh, clearly, I don't think the play calling helped at all. Um, but, you know, overall, I think he was a lot better at throwing the ball away. Um, you know, past the ghost game and past the Jacksonville game. He seemed more in control, way more in control than he did last year. Uh, And I think it's the little things that I kind of saw, even in that end of, you know, 2018 season, four-game stretch. I think he just seemed a little bit more in control. Um, I know that the stat sheet won't say that, but that's just the feeling I got watching, you know, all the games.
1: What do you think needs to happen around him? What do you think specifically the Jets need to do in the offseason? Are there any specific positions that you think they need to add? Any players you have your eye on?
2: Um, yeah, I'm you know, I know I know Scott, you're a big Quentin Williams fan. Um, <laughs> but last year I remember DMing with Connor Rogers, like, dude, we need to take O line. Um, what Spencer Long did in the 2018 season was absolutely disgusting um mm-hmm. what was that that miami game where you just came like it was insane i was like what am i watching um <laughs> i'm a i'm a big i'm a big believer in that we have to build this whole line uh you know I, I was thinking about it today before we got on this uh you know on this pod but it's like lamar jackson's killing it absolutely killing it and i don't want to take away from lamar at all but I don't think it's a crazy coincidence he has, like, the second best O-line in the league. Uh, And I think that says it all. Um, Frankly, I I, I do. I think, you know, we missed out on both those centers and free agency last year, um, Matt Paradis and Mitch Morse. And and I just think we really need to beef up the O-line. I I, I think, honestly, the way Sam plays, I think getting a number one receiver – is less important, even though clearly I would love one. I think it's less important. Like, he even made Daniel Brown a a, a factor in the passing game this year, you know, who was the third-string tight end. Uh, And I think that's more of a testament to Sam than it is anything else, but it's also kind of hard to, you know, function as a quarterback if every single player you're running for your life.
1: Do you trust Joe Douglas to make the right moves? Where's your confidence level with him right now?
2: Uh, my confidence, I feel like, you know, as much as being an outsider from, you know, the NFL as I am, <clears throat> my confidence is, is sky high, I guess. You know, it seemed like he was like the hottest commodity in terms of, you know, new GMs um, for this hiring cycle. So I'm super excited about Joe Douglas. Uh, but also, I don't know, you know, like, mm-hmm. frankly, I don't know. So I'm just kind of hoping for the best, you know. It's, it, it's still a little scaring me that, you know, there hasn't been talks of, uh, you know, coaching staff changes yet. Um, that's kind of more my paranoia rather than Joe Douglas drafting properly, I think.
1: So what kind of changes do you think should be made on the coaching staff? I'm assuming that you don't want the all-time greatest flag challenge waiver, Dell Loggins, to be sticking around? Yeah,
2: no, no, doubt. Um, You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if we can blame all the O-line problems on um, Frank Pollock. Did I say his name right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, mainly it would be on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think any Jet fan would be, you know, really clamoring for defensive coaching staff changes uh, at this point, especially, you know, what Greg Williams showed this year. So, yeah, I mean, overall, it's just simple. We have to beef up that O-line. I would love a number-one receiver. Um but, you know, we have to keep them upright. And and I constantly look at this, and the reason why I brought up your coin in love is we haven't had a quarterback with this much potential since I've been alive. And, you know, we've seen it with Andrew Luck, and I know this has been said, but my whole thing is, you know what? I don't care if our defense is terrible next year. Let's say we totally neglect it and somehow just drops off a cliff. I don't care because I think our most important you know, move we need to make is to make sure Sam develops properly. Um, And I think everything else from there comes secondary. Uh, I was begging for a trade down scenario last year, and unfortunately it was only the Bills that seemed to be willing to do it, you know, (laughs) and that's a little bit of a weird situation to be in, clearly. Um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm so pro we need to help Sam. Uh, because if, if we can get him to be, you know, performing as a top 10, top five, whatever quarterback in the league, that's more than we could say that we've ever really had, you know, in the last mm-hmm. how many decades. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm full save Sam. You
1: know, <laughs> I think what really hurt the Jets with the offensive line this past year was, number one, they didn't have a second round pick because of the trade for Sam Donald. So they weren't able to yeah. try and draft a second round offensive lineman. They got Chuma Odoga in the third round, but he was pretty shaky this year and everybody expected him to be a long term project anyway. And at the top of the draft, if you weren't trading down, and even if you were, there weren't a ton of great offensive linemen in this draft. So if you were trading down at the top of the draft, you would have had to trade down quite a bit to really realistically justify taking an offensive lineman. I think at number three, and this is where we talk about Quentin Williams, I just thought that he was so much better than anybody else that was there. And for me to trade down, it would have had to have been a good package to great package for me to move because I just felt that once you got past Quinn and Williams and Nick Bosa There was a big drop off Now obviously we're going to see Over the next couple of years If I'm wrong or if I'm right Because as you know There are plenty of people That were second guessing My opinion of it the second that it happened, and they've been second guessing it ever since. And obviously there are players that have put up flashier stats, and we've talked about why that is in part. Some people will say it's because Quinin's not as good as those guys, or those guys are great, or whatever. I think that part of it is that those guys did really well, but also because their scheme differences and they're in different defenses and so on and so forth yeah. and used differently. But we'll find out over the next couple of years exactly. How good or how bad that pick was I will say though That I think if you look at the San Francisco 49ers And how they built their team If the Jets can build up the offensive line And if they can maybe add a receiver or two Then it'll be more along the lines of your vision And you can look at it and say Hey, the Niners have that elite defense And they're able to win In large part because of the strength of that defense Jimmy Garoppolo may not have Quite the upside that Sam Darnold does But I would say right now Jimmy G Is the better quarterback at least At this moment But if Sam Darnold elevates And the defense is top notch And and Williams can get to the point Where we're hoping he can get to Then it's just a matter of Can Joe Douglas put the pieces around Sam Darnold Can Sam Darnold get to that next level And can Adam Gase Find a way to Utilize Sam Darnold in the best possible way And tailor his offense To what Darnold does best And steer away from his weaknesses Does that make sense?
2: Oh, no, 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 totally. And I I knew where you're coming from, I guess. I guess I'm a little (laughs) extra paranoid uh, that, you know, this franchise, especially for the last two years, has done uh, futile efforts to help our, you know, franchise quarterback Mm -hmm. right now. Um, So I, you know, I know this is not kosher in most circles, but, I would have taken anything to trade down. <laughs> I would've taken a freaking third round pick just to just to justify the whole line. And I totally understand. Obviously the goal here is to win the Super Bowls and, and for that you need a complete team. But I'm kinda trying to put one foot in front of the other before, mm-hmm. you know, we learn to fly. Um, and, and yeah, maybe that's just I'm I'm very paranoid. Uh, you know, Christopher Johnson clearly made a bad hire in um, Adam Case. And and that's the biggest thing. That's the most damning thing if you're watching these games is that Gay seems to have no interest into, you know, trying to utilize what Sam is good at. Uh, I'm like, you know, I don't think Josh Allen is good, but Buffalo's clearly, you know, playing Josh Allen like he should be used. Uh, same goes for Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. And with Sam, it's it's bizarre, you know. I mean, it's been said a trillion times. Uh, I know, as a listener of this podcast, he's you know he's trying to turn him into a pocket passer. Which should he get better at that? Yeah, of course. But at the same time, you got to give the kid confidence. You know, let him run. You know, move the pocket. Um, it's it's yeah. I think that's why I'm so hyper pro O line right now. Is I'm just afraid of I guess Gaze and the ownership, and then somewhere in the middle, you know, you have you know a ray of hope in uh, Joe Douglas.
1: And to be fair Your paranoia is very justified Because remember if you look back At the recent history of this team They have not made a lot of High level investments in the offensive line You'd have to go back to the Mangini era When they were spending money on Damian Woody and Alan Fanica And using high draft picks On Nick Mangold and DeBrickishaw Ferguson Because ever since then it's been a bunch Of patchwork free agents And low level draft picks that they've Tried to get by on and that's where the offensive line has fallen apart over the years As we've seen the guys like DeBricashaw Ferguson and Nick Mangold fizzle out and end their careers They haven't been replaced properly So I totally understand what you're saying and I agree And I think that Joe Douglas agrees We're going to find out what he's going to actually do about it But certainly it seems like offensive line is priority number one, two, three, four, and 5 for Joe Douglas And I'm with you I think that right now that has to be the mindset because they've got to build that fortress around Sam Darnold. If he's going to be able to reach his ceiling, he's got to be able to have the protection and Le'Veon Bell is going to need that too because we saw him struggle this year and him behind a really bad offensive line is not going to work out. But if you can make the offensive line even passable somewhere around league average, we could see your fellow rapper, Le'Veon Bell have a real bounce back year in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 you're totally right. And that brings up another point that I feel like maybe, I mean, I'm sure it's
2: definitely been brought up, but I feel like it hasn't been brought up as much is that the run game was so putrid this year. Clearly that's not helping Sam on top of it all. You know, the run game was better last year. Um, I don't know that for a fact statistically, but it seemed just naturally, uh, you know, watching every game this season, it felt like every time we ran the ball, I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. And, you know, maybe for four yards, maybe for five yards. Uh, obviously, there was, you know, definitely a few runs, you know, that got us first downs, of course. But I just overall the feeling was it was like, oh, we're going to run the ball. We're going to get two yards, you know, the whole season. And clearly that's not helping, you know, a young franchise quarterback as well. Again, going back to, you know, his classmates, you look at someone like Josh Allen, uh, David Singletary was amazing this year. Um, the Baltimore Ravens, the same thing. Um, clearly that, you know, there's different variables that play in both those situations. Both those quarterbacks are, you know, doing runs all the time themselves, which has to keep the defense honest. But still at the same time, you know, you look at someone like Baker Mayfield, who has a Nick Chubb in the backfield, with a, you know, Cleveland media saying, oh, the o is terrible. They're really, truly middle of the road. Um, I-, I do kind of remember they had a way higher ranking last year. And it's, you know, we don't have that percent. And going back to the O-line, it's like we clearly have one of the best running backs of this era in our backfield, regardless if he may or may not have, quote unquote, lost a step, he's still Le'Veon Bell. And uh, it it, it all just, for me, it definitely all stems from the whole line. So as much as I love a Judy or a C.D. Lamb or someone like that, that'd be freaking incredible. You know, I I feel like we probably haven't had someone like that since, like what, Keyshawn? But uh, just gotta pass for now. You know, it's tempting. (laughs) It's tempting and it's flashy and it's sexy, but now we got to pass, you know, it's it's, showing up that whole line.
0: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill.
1: Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let me throw this theoretical out at you because I'm curious what you think, cause I put this up on Twitter, and this was inspired by the trade that the Eagles made to get Andre Dillard, where they jumped the Houston Texans last year. And it's relevant because it provides a blueprint. And on top of that, Joe Douglas was obviously instrumental in the deal, having been with the Eagles at the time. Let's say you're Joe Douglas and you've graded out Jedrick Wills from Alabama, Andrew Thomas from Georgia and Tristan Wirfs from Iowa as the only three tackles that you think are first-round worthy in this draft. And you get to the number nine pick in the draft, which is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And let's say... Any two of those guys are off the board. So whoever you want to make it, it could be Thomas, Wirfs, or Wills. Any two of those three are off the board. One of them's left at number nine. You know that the Browns are sitting there waiting to take that guy at number 10. You're sitting at 11. Would you use either your own third-round pick or the Giants' third-round pick to do what the Eagles did to the Texans last year for Dillard, jump the Browns, and get that tackle?
2: Absolutely. And the fact of the matter is the o line's so bad it's, it's clearly I wouldn't want to do it, you know? Like I'd be like, ah, oh, do we gotta, you know? Um, I also do have to say, I do have to say, is Judy or Lamb on the board at this time? Because that may kind of influence it. But I think, I, you know what, don't even answer. I think I would, I think I would. I'm it, telling you, it's, it's O-line. Even last free agency, we missed out on both those centers, man, I was I was pissed. I was really pissed. I was like, what is McCagnin doing uh, watching Spencer Wong play? It was a nightmare. It was like a horror movie. <laughs> you
1: know. In this theoretical, just to put your mind at ease, Judy and Lamb are both off the board. So I should have specified that. Hell yeah. Man.
2: Hell yeah. Man. Hell yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: There's not even a question. We, we just have to. Um, you know, I know... Uh, I've seen some talks of, you know, clearly like hypotheticals right now of, uh, that edge rusher at Panessa. I don't know if I'm saying it right. No, who cares? <laughs> like, I know we haven't had an edge rusher in so long, but frankly, we don't have an old line. And if Sam becomes an Andrew Luck or just a, a, a David Carr, like then we're screwed then we're completely back at at point zero. Maybe I'm just really paranoid, but uh, this franchise does not have luck. We have not had luck with quarterbacks, and and we need to shore up that O line. It's just plain and simple. Um, you know, it, it, more and more I'm like getting nerdy about football. More and more I realize it's so important to a quarterback's development. It's the most important thing, um, and I believe. In Sam enough and just his style of play that, you know, I, I don't want to lose Robbie, but even if we lose Robbie, I'm sure we can get, you know, kind of like a B C level free agency guy and kind of just get creative with it um, in terms of, you know, receivers.
1: I tend to agree with you. The only exception I'd make in terms of edge rusher is if the Jets were in position to grab Chase Young, then I would do it. That's a whole different story. The Jets are not going to be in position to get him anyway, so it's really a moot point. But you talked about Sam Darnold's development. I think absolutely the offensive line has to come first and foremost. But Sam is going to need weapons. We know Jamison Crowder is here. But is Robbie Anderson going to stick around? That remains to be seen. And as far as edge rusher, yeah, they haven't had a great edge rusher in a long time since John Abraham, but Jordan Jenkins has turned into at least a solid edge setter, a guy that could be a nice piece going forward if he sticks around. Brian Poole's another player on the defense that perhaps the Jets would want to hold on to. He was really good in the slot this year. So what do you think about those guys and some of the other internal free agents? Is there anybody that you'd like to see go and which ones would you go all out to try and keep? Let me
2: start with a big, big question. I think that's on most fans' minds. I would love to keep Robbie. Um, I would. I I do understand. uh, Actually, you know what? I'm going to be honest here. I don't really understand why we didn't try to re-sign him throughout the year. Um, The fact of the matter is, it's again, it just goes back to Sam. And Robbie's, you know, a deep threat. He's shown a lot of improvement this year. I think everyone knows that. Which, which is amazing. Um, the timing is not great if you're a Jets fan, especially hearing that they don't really have any intentions of re-signing him. But what's more important is they have a rapport, you know, and, and I feel like kind of getting rid of his favorite target besides Herndon. I feel like if Herndon was healthy this year, we'd probably be having a slightly different conversation. Um, it kind of sucks that we're not trying to, you know, re-sign him. Um, I just think – cap space is kind of overrated. And after, you know, the obvious cuts, I I, I think I read somewhere we're supposed to have like 80 million. Um, I don't understand why you don't try to retain Robbie. Then that way we can focus on the O-line more in the draft rather than, and I know it's a wide receiver rich draft and maybe that's what Joe Douglas is thinking. Um, I don't know. I'm not a GM of a NFL, you know, team, but I would love to keep, uh, Love to keep Robbie and Brian Poole for sure. He he killed it this year. Um, killed it in the slot. Jordan Jenkins, I'd imagine you might as well just retain him. He's probably not gonna cost much. And and clearly we have no other edge rushers right now. So I don't know. I think uh, the one thing though, which you know, as diehard of a fan as I am, I actually have a signed hat of his, a him meta, meta uh festival in New York, uh, I'm not opposed to trading Jamal. My thing is, you know, and I know, I know there's so many ways to look at this. I don't, I know he's more than the average safety, but if, if we could get an amazing return for him, I don't think it's, you know, no, we can't give him up. He's, he's amazing for the team. He's amazing for the franchise. He carries himself incredibly, uh, on social media and public. He was super cool, super kind. Um, but you know what, we, this team is so void of talent right now that uh, having you know, a safety on a bajillion trillion dollar contract, I don't, I don't know if that's the right call right now, to be honest. Maybe a little provocative of a take.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I think that if the Jets got offered some insane deal, they might consider trading him. But I think it would take an insane deal to get somebody like Jamal Adams. I think it would probably take a lot less to get LeVeon Bell, but you'd probably have to eat a lot of that money, which would be a shame because I think that as you said, if you can really build up that offensive line, Le'Veon Bell can have a bounce back season. But What I'm curious about in terms of Le'Veon Bell is not whether or not he can bounce back on the football field because I'm pretty confident he can if he's got the right blockers in front of him. I want to know if he's ever going to improve as a rapper. And since I have you here, I got to ask you about this. What are your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell's rapping? Because I got to be honest, I listened and I was not impressed at all. Can you help take him to the next level? Because we can't have somebody on the Jets who's rapping and putting out material that's so substandard.
2: You know what? Some of the records are not good, um, not at least in my opinion. But some of the records are, are, are pretty dope in the way that the beat selection is good. Um, the the pocket and the flow he chooses is good. I think, you know, if I was in a studio at Levy and I actually know someone who's producing a couple of these beats, um, funny enough and i was kind of like geeking out about that and this is like right after we signed him and i was like oh shit that's tight um <laughs> if i was in the studio with him i'd just try to work on vocal production which i'm sure not a lot of people listening to this right now know what that is but it's just kind of shoring up how you deliver the words um in the tone in your voice uh i always kind of call it the final frontier if if you're like uh I guess if you're a rapper, because if you're a singer, it's kind of the whole thing. But, well, not really. It's, it's yeah, I would, I would shore up the uh, vocal production. Um, just being very granular and anal about what the takes sound like. Uh, most of the time I go to the studio myself, I'm not really wasting time because I'm messing up words. Um, it's more I want a certain tone and a certain feeling of like when I'm saying that word if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I guess it's like performance really, uh, just someone to be more stickler about the performance, um, of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's not terrible. No, but you know, this guy spends all his time (laughs) training, um, (laughs) and you know what to get really good at anything you need to put in that 10,000 hours. So it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I don't know how much you can really expect. You know what I mean? Like you got to be realistic with it. Like, you know, but I got some shit. <laughs> you know,
1: Well, I'll say this. When he retires, I think he needs to give you a call so that you can work with him on his next album and help take him to that next level the way that we hope that Sam Darnold will go to the next level in 2020. On cue, thanks so much for joining me on The Roundtable. It was a blast. I really appreciate it. I hope you'll come back soon. Before you run, though, I want you to tell everybody about your latest, woozy because I thought it was awesome, and I think everybody should check it out.
2: Uh, Thank you. Uh, Yeah, no, I put out a single uh, a couple months ago called Woozy. Also put out an album this year called I Hate Me Too. Um, Woozy also comes with, you know, if if I do say so myself, one of the best music videos of the year. Um, Super creative. I helped edit it myself. It took about two months of editing. You're probably confused what I mean, but when you watch it, you'll understand. Um, So, yeah, uh, Woozy just came out a couple uh, another record came out in december uh you know it's available everywhere spotify apple music literally everywhere you think and uh there's gonna be new music out at the end of january and every two weeks pretty much for the foreseeable future so i've been very busy in the studio
1: Make sure you check out Q's latest woozy, it's well worth your time, great video. You can go to his Twitter, at Q and you can find a link to the video, trust me, you definitely want to check it out. And you want to check out all the rest of the podcasts that we've had going the last couple of days, including part two of the Sam Darnold Project with Michael Nania, as well as the fifth edition of the Roundtable with Dennis Wozak of the Associated Press. That was on Monday. Over the weekend, answered some mailbag questions with a very big deal, Chris Nimbly. And late last week, we had some fun shows with Clayton Smarslock. On location, live at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. He was there for Media Day. Gave a full rundown of practices, too. A first-hand look at some of the great prospects that were there and how they might fit with the New York Jets. And then Randy Lang from NewYorkJets.com, the longtime beat reporter for the Bergen Record, joined the show to talk about his article profiling the newest Hall of Famer from the New York Jets family, Winston Hill. He's going to be going in in August. It's about time. And also talked about... Randy's articles toward the end of the season profiling some under the radar players like Foley Fadakasi and some things that he wrote at the end of the year, little tidbits, news and notes that should give Jets fans reasons for optimism in 2020. Want to remind you really quickly, if you haven't given us a five star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show if you enjoy what we're doing. Doesn't cost you any money, doesn't take you much time, but it really helps us out a lot. So if you could do that for us, we'd be grateful. Don't forget to follow on Q on Twitter, at on O N C U E, and check out his latest video, Woozy. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.